What's going on? How y'all doing? It's the Nerd Related Sports Edition podcast. And yeah, you can finally see us. You can verify if we actually look like uh, what we sound like. Um, and speaking of we, uh, why don't we go down the tower? I don't know how this looks on the recording, but uh, Soto, we'll start at the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> Yo, welcome back. Y'all super excited. This is step one of creating additional content for you guys across all social media and uh, video platforms. So we're excited to get it started. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And our male model extraordinaire, Sate Allah. Sate, you're looking beautiful, my friend. Makes sense why Andy decided to ditch when he heard cameras were coming on today. Plus, could only be surprised by that. It's like Highlander, man. There can only be one South Milwaukee stud with us. And then finally, um, he does not need an introduction with that beautiful face. Mark, what's going on, dude? Not much, man. Living the dream. Sweet shades, brother. Thanks, bro. Yeah, wow. Thug life. Um, but hey, yeah, thanks for coming back. And if you're joining us on video, it's uh, great to see us, see you. Uh, but hey, uh, you're back and you should definitely continue to stick with us. So wherever you're listening to this or watching this, you got to like, subscribe, give us a huge five star rating because that's the only way we can uh, find more people other than the guerrilla marketing tactics that uh, Mark has employed. Thank you, Lefts uh, Lucky Town. And uh, definitely check us out on Twitter. We are at NR Sports Edition. Uh, go follow us. We'll follow you back and we'll meet up on the interwebs. Uh, tomorrow we'll be coming back with another fantasy show, uh, fantasy football show. Maybe Andy will be here uh, if he can get on camera or put his dog to sleep, give her some Benadryl. I don't know. Say Sate's the experienced parent here, so he knows all about that. And uh, we got another show coming out, but we'll save that till the end. So, uh, guys, what do you want to talk about, Mark? I know you are just rock hard right now for the World Series. You know it. Starting off tomorrow, man. It's going to be exciting. Um, I think, with, say, were you the only one who picked both, uh, both winners, right? Yeah, so oh. my streak continues, baby. If I pick you in MLB projections, <laughs> I originally picked. I don't want to start of this. I originally picked the Rays and the Brewers, and then when both those teams got knocked down the first round, we got to pick again. So yes, this was my go-to with uh, Dusty Bear and uh, and the Braves. Well done, well done sir. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting, right? You have two uh, two different types of teams that are facing off in the World Series. Um, obviously with Houston, um, it wasn't far-fetched that they could get this far. Um, I think they are playing extremely good baseball right now. Um, they're getting pitching as well as hitting from all different kinds of players. Um, and I think they just overall have a, a better, deeper team than Atlanta. Um, however, that doesn't always translate onto the field. So, Atlanta is really coming from a perspective where they were really the underdogs coming in, right? They weren't even picked uh, to get past the Brewers in the first round. And then they go into the, you know, the LA Dodgers and knock off the LA Dodgers, which I wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, I'm looking at this from, from a Dodgers perspective, they're the better team. They're one of the odds on favorites to win the world series. And they were literally just flat the whole series. Um, I know they got some older guys that have some injury issues. Muncie sat out. Turner was just got awful uh, throughout the entire series, but they still have enough firepower on that team to 
at least get through to the next level, right? And then who knows what can happen. Um, but Atlanta really is that team who usually we see this every year, right? We know the Cardinals have, as much as we hate them, they've shown this in the past too. They're just riding the wave right now. Um, everybody is chipping in. Um, you can tell they're all playing for each other. They don't want this to happen. Um, and when you're looking at it from a, a, a fan favorite landscape, I would venture to say that 95% of the entire population is uh, pulling for Atlanta at this point. What do you guys feel about it? It's the cheaters versus the underdog will be the narrative there. All I'm saying is like Jermaine Dupree better be on full blast. Welcome to Atlanta. When Houston touches down, I can tell you that I'm sure it'll be a star studded celebrity event. Yeah. And you don't really expect that from, uh, uh, MLB games or even if it being the World Series. But, yeah, to your point, uh, I think Atlanta has persevered. It hasn't been a single person uh, getting hot at the right time. And I'm, we got to see it firsthand as Brewers fans in that first round um, where they just snatched our souls from us, uh, including the Brewers players. But it'll be an interesting series. You know, again, Dusty Baker goes back to the World Series. He's like 117 years old. Um, so I hope he... You know, it's an enjoyable World Series. I, I almost want to root for the villain in this, as weird as that sounds. Like, if the Strohs, if their response is like, we'll be like, well, F that. Yes, we got busted for cheating, but just because I'm banging on a garbage lid, is it really cheating? Everyone else is cheating in some fashion in baseball. Uh, you know, if you define the word cheating. But if they get this one clean, then does that help their Current, the ball players on their team now that were there a few years ago as well. So I, just a perspective that I'm that I'm looking at it from. Yeah. Also, I I look like I work at like a fast food joint with this mouth. <laughs> right. Welcome to Fries are done. Can I take your order? Can I take your order, guys? Thank you. <laughs> First window, please. Yeah, I mean the Braves. Um, <laughs> the pitching really showed out, y'all. Like we didn't expect their pitching to to be that good in every series since then they've done a good job and to me is can the Astros get hot right like can they get hot against the pitching who's at the beginning of the playoffs Mark said they were overachieving or overperforming what they normally do right like we're in series number three now and they're still doing it so yep. it'll come down to like everything right who's gonna have a better moment uh probably between Correa and Freeman, right? Who's going to have that, that standout series and that'll win. I, I want to, I'm going to pick the Astros just because we know what my record is. So I'm going to go with the Astros. You know, it's a crazy statistic that I saw too. And I was kind of reading this online earlier is heading into the world series. Um, relievers have thrown 54% of the postseason innings. And for the Astros, it's actually quite uh, slightly higher at 57%. And the Braves are at 49%. And it was kind of shocking to me because I'm watching the Astros play the Red Sox last series. And maybe it was just like the last three games when they really turned it on. Their starting pitching was just so dominant that they were taking over the majority of the games. But a lot of these uh, teams now have been utilizing the bullpen basically halfway into the game. Um I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I don't see how this is any different than really a regular season game, right? Your starters get you into, um, you know, uh, 
the sixth, seventh innings, uh, the majority of the times. And now all of a sudden it seems like they're cruising through, let's say six innings and they like walk a guy and all of a sudden, you know, Hey, we're going to bring in the, the, you know, the next arm in the bullpen who's ready. It's, it, it just seems like there's no faith with the starting pitchers anymore, even though they're the ones who are dominating the first half of the games. Well, I know that they shit on Dave Roberts for that. Like he was just pulling the plug too quick mm-hmm. on the starting pitchers and then just some mismanagement out of the pen. And they felt like maybe he beat himself. And I think sometimes managers get too cute. I know we rag on Craig Council for all, all sorts of obscure shit. I think he had what Wade Miley play for one, you know, one out, one batter a few years yep. back. And then he went to the pen. That was, feel like that's yeah. accurate but um they could get cute or else they're just non any way to get a victory um but i do agree gone are the times like when i we grew up for you know you're a little older than i am mark but uh not by much uh, but you know like the starter goes in to the eighth into the ninth the dudes has 130 pitches you know uh 120 pitches but like verlander is like one that i'm one of those dudes that i remember that that was that type of ace and uh, you know, sure. Uh, who's the dude that's on the that's on? Uh, was that for Atlanta? That's on the Dodgers now. We got Scherzer, Kershaw. Yeah, Scherzer, Scherzer. Scherzer yeah, another dude that could eat yeah. innings and go after a lot of batters. But uh, I think you're right there. Um, the game's getting shorter from a starting mm-hmm. pitching perspective. Yep. So there's a word. I'm not a, a Braves fan, right? I could care less about the Braves in general. But there's an article out there by um, the New York Times came out today talking about how the Braves got to the World Series. Dude, they had themselves a challenging ass season. Like, obviously, I don't think they were even favored to win uh, that division. But then Ozuna gets accused of domestic violence, right? <clears throat> then, um, well... Even before that, they lost the All-Star game because of the Georgia voting rights. Like, they were supposed to host the All-Star game. They lost it. Then Ozuna gets accused. Then Acuna gets injured after the All-Star break and out for the season. They were under 500 at the All-Star break. Like, bro, the team actually went through a crazy grind to get to where they're at. And that makes it even better to watch, right? Like, I didn't even realize it was that crazy uh, to where they're at. But I just wish our brewers would follow a similar track when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. I think one of the, um, one of the biggest things here too, is uh, we're going to have to watch um, switching it to kind of like a hitting perspective is um, you have your kind of two standout players right now, which aren't their best players are Jordan Alvarez and Eddie Rosario. Both those guys are just unconscious right now from both sides of the plate, hitting the ball. Um, I know we're looking at uh, Eddie was basically what 14 hits, I think against the, uh, the Dodgers, which tied a postseason record for hits in one series. Um, Alvarez, uh, I think did that in six games instead of seven. Um, but he was, I think nine hits uh, in the final three games. I mean, it was just unbelievable to watch these guys uh, basically propel their teams to uh, uh, world series uh, uh, hopefuls. So um, it, it, it going to be interesting to see if they can continue the trend to keep it going um but uh it's it definitely i think it's going to be a hell of a series um and it, it's good to see some new blood in there um every once in a while um even though houston's had a, had a run of being in there um i'm gonna be all hands on deck for uh for the uh the braves here to pull this off are you gonna chop on i don't know if i can do that are we allowed to do that are we allowed to say that 
We're getting a poll. I don't, know. I don't. I don't know if this is like a like a social issues podcast yet. I think we need like a couple of years of. Like, I think it was yeah, definitely not jumping into that. It was. Shit. I think it was way cooler like back when they were like Fulton County Stadium and the old school parade was like Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox and whatever. That whole chomp thing was was great. Um, the Griff, crime dog. Yeah, yeah. But Chipper. now I don't know. It just seems it doesn't seem the same, right? Uh, it's just. But to them, it's probably something that's always been part of every home game and and whatnot i just think it just it gets a, a little bit old it doesn't have the same flair as it did in the past to me anything uh anything else about the old bat and ball mark that you wanted to bring up uh, you can tell no. like uh our excitement for the world theory for the world series ladies and gentlemen is not as high as it probably should be but um <laughs> at the end of the day i, I mean the narratives are there. People that love baseball are going to watch it. The Braves had a tough outing. Sate likes the villain. Uh, there's people across the country that are super into that. How many people are Yankees fans, even though they spend a trillion dollars a season? Um, it'll be fun. I think it'll it'll still be a watch. And the Braves, as the underdog, should get more attention. All right. So let's do some gambling on this, then. Oh, we got... We're going to forecast this out here, right? I'm going to give you some hopefuls for uh, starting pitching-wise, and then um, I'll go over uh, the sports book. So Atlanta's rotation, um, this is all projected, obviously. You got Charlie Morton game one on six days of rest. Max Fried on five days of rest. Ian Anderson on five days of rest. And then game four is probably going to be a bullpen game, um, similar to what they did, I think, starting Will Smith. Um, Houston is... Uh, I guess assuming McCullers is is out, um, I would assume they'd go with Valdez um, at the one coming off five days of rest. Garcia is on four days of rest, and uh, Jose Arquiti is on ten days of rest. Um, then potentially you have Zach Greinke or a bullpen game in Game Four. Um, so with all of that kind of put into perspective here, we have the Caesar Sportsbook open with the Astros as minus one fifty favorites. And the price, uh, let's see, with the price since dropping to one minus 145, the Braves are listed at plus 125. Um, home field advantage is a small factor, but don't forget the Astros lost all four games at home to the Nationals in the 2019 World Series. So, with all that in play, what do we got? Who are we thinking here? Betting, betting baseball is hard. First off, like betting baseball is extremely difficult, y'all. I mean, I would take I would take the Astros just because they've been there before. Like this is I mentioned Freddie Freeman earlier. I think this is his first World Series, right? He's not old. So like a lot of these Atlanta folks are they're riding a wave, but it's kind of a wave of inexperience. So I'll take the uh, the savvy of the cheaters probably over anything. I'll take the Strohs at minus 145. I like the Dodgers. Uh, the uh, Not the Dodgers. Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go with the Braves. Mark was um, pre-programmed for this podcast. Yeah, right? The Dodgers won the <laughs> yeah. NLCS. But everything you said is why I picked the Dodgers to go. Um, so I actually think, yeah, I'm going to go with the, uh, the underdogs. I'm going to go with the team that are kind of defying the odds right now, and they're playing the best baseball that they potentially played. I think they got all the fans on their side right now. The place is rocking. Um, I'm looking forward to them to uh, continue the trend against the Astros. I think it goes seven games um, in Atlanta pulling it out. 
Mark's the only guy that cheered for Rudy when he made the field. Sure did. He actually I was, was alive. I was saw there. That came. I was there. Yeah. Saw that came live on, on ABC Sports. It's actually in the movie if you look close enough. Yeah. I'm the one yelling for like certain people to get out of the game that aren't contributing. So I probably would have turned that shit off if he game in the game. I prefer the water boy. Well, yeah, for sure. Obviously. For sure. Obviously. I would have whipped his ass. Did, did we ever did well we did we did the sports top five sports movie conversation right oh, that was i don't think that, anyone brought up the water boy water, no, boy, water boy definitely was mm. not on the list no no i thought about it though it was not my honorable mention i actually got a notebook right here that i have all that stuff written down in my little trusty notes ah uh, yes the guy with all the technology is keeping track of notes <laughs> in it i don't know why i just always go back to pen and Looked paper like for me, some yeah. reason when me i'm doing there. like when I'm doing lists, I'd rather do it on a notebook than on a computer. It's weird. Yeah. We're still, we're, we're, uh, we're millennials. That means we still write things down. I know it's kind of weird to say. Uh, did you just rip a heater, Sate? I'm ripping a heater right now. Yeah. Damn. Where, where are you? What do you mean? I'm in my house. You smoke indoors, bro? Yeah. Yeah. It's winter yeah, time, bro. <laughs> smoke in the basement. Bold as shit, man. Proper ventilation uh, down here. Anyways, uh, let's uh, let's move on, guys, and talk about uh, week seven of the NFL uh, season. That is, God, already in week seven. This moves way too fast. Uh, what, what's standing out to you guys? Just fire away. What's uh, what's what caught the old eye this past week? I will say the Bengals, just because we talked about them before, and Andy, I wish Andy was on here because I'd want to talk to. He, he made a comment like, the Bengals ain't played nobody. Like, what are we even talking about? Well, now they played somebody, Andy, and uh, the outcome was still the same. So, like, I don't know if they're for real or not, but it's looking like they have a shot at at least getting in, right, get into the playoffs and, and see what happens. They got a quarterback. They got a good running game. Uh, another Andy failed. Chase is out here getting, you know, catches left and right, the best deep threat in the NFL, supposedly. Um they, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, right? But with Cleveland struggling, Pittsburgh not who they're supposed to, who they've been in the past, um, and a head-to-head win against the Ravens, like they have a good shot as as anyone else in the NFC. Hell yeah, they've got they're they're probably the most complete team right now, and that's weird to say because going into the year, right, you look at Baltimore and you know that Baltimore is going to be is going to be good on both sides of the ball. You get Pittsburgh and you wonder what Ben Roethlisberger and their offense is going to look like, but you know, defensively, they're going to be good. Cincinnati, you don't expect them to be as well-rounded as they've, they've, they've come out this year so far. So if you look at them defensive, uh, defensive rating wise and where they sit in the league, they're, they're middle of the pack in, in passing yards allowed, but they are, I think top eight in, rush defense and that makes a lot of sense because they're also a top five passing team offensively so they'll boat race you and they'll force you to get in a shootout with them I mean look at what they did to Green Bay I mean yeah they lost but still that was a that was a game where Green Bay had trouble establishing the run game and the running backs got involved through the air Cincinnati is definitely more complete than what I think a lot of people expected and hell at this point they could they could win the division. I don't know if they have the experience, like you said, to make a run in the playoffs, but 
they're uh, they're looking pretty complete. I know they're atop the division as it sits today. I just want to throw out there that that was a lot closer game. I, I think that, like those 17-14 in the third quarter where yeah. the Ravens took a lead, and then it was 17-17, and then they just broke it open. I think it was a few of those long TDs uh, to chase. Um, Is so that so- – Yes, the Bengals are are good right now, um, but with all these, with every young team, is it is it consistent? And can they like weather some difficult patches, you know, throughout the season? Um, but see, on paper, I think uh, like Burrow's the real deal. I think we all realize yeah. that Joe Mixon mm-hmm. finally has some threats around him where, you know, he's that much more valuable where they don't have to press on him the entire time. And he gets injured. The tight ends come in, you know, uh, is evolving. So the offense I, I'm anti Zach Taylor and, and I've been adamant about that in past episodes. Um, but maybe I'll have to, you know, eat my words at the end of the year when he gets coach of the year. I love it. I love, I love talking with this group of people because it's easier to have a conversation because you kind of know, right, what you're talking about. Like, when you're talking to, like, casuals, it's harder to talk about the Bengals. But Tate uh, <clears throat> here mentions uh, the tight ends. So, listen, Cincinnati could have been good last year. Joe Burrow got hurt. Uh, what's the dude's name? Uh, CJ Uzuma. Uzuma. That's the tight end that's been kind of killing every other game. He was hurt, too, last year. Like, he was supposed to be decent last year. Like, this team – Got some experience minus Joe Burrow last year. And then now he's able to to pick up the reins and, and drive it. I think Cincinnati's legit. They'll, I think they can win a first-round matchup. That'll probably be the extent of it. Um, but even against the Packers, they look decent. It wasn't like they looked terrible, right? The Packers are – and we can transition to the Packers now because I kind of want to talk about Thursday night's game, which is going to be pretty big. But – um, the Packers are at least the top two, top three team in the NFC. So there's no like shame in losing to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. It, it, and I'm trying to find a full list of all of the additions that, that Cincinnati made this off season on defense, but they, I think, I think it's a good point last year if Burroughs healthy, they may have been a much more prolific offense, even without CJ Uzama. But when you add Jamar Chase, you get healthy Joe Burrow, uh, you give that offensive line, which didn't improve much a year of experience, and you get a healthy Joe Mixon, you're, you're going to be competitive, right? And it just so happens that they're clicking on defense. Um, uh, Awuzie is the guy I was thinking of. When they added Awuzie in the offseason, I mean – He's not a shutdown corner, but he's he's a respectable defensive back that's going to match up against your best receiver. And Devontae Adams still had an okay game, but it's not like Devontae Adams that you're used to seeing. And Awuzie did a fine-ass job. And in, in a playoff series, if, if you can have somebody that matches up with the best pass catcher on your team, you're going to be tough. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Thursday night because, uh, wow. <laughs> That's going to be a very different game than what we expected 24 hours ago. Yeah. Soto, you're on mute. Um, We're not sure that Devante is not going to play, right? So they said both him and Barry have been vaccinated. So they just have to do back-to-back negative tests. Yeah, probably a couple of negative tests. So hypothetically, there's a chance. Now the probability is probably not in our favor. And I think they, what, they take off Wednesday. 
So and so he'd have to be Devontae'd have to be negative tomorrow and Wednesday to board the flight. But for all shit, he'll they'll give him his own jet if he's he, if he really, cleared. Like, I think it's a big game for them to to establish more for the Cardinals and the Packers. I don't think it really matters that much for the Packers because I agree. they're going to win the yeah. division anyways. Like there's no challenge for them. They're five and one. Say they lose They're five and two. Who's the next best record? Three Minnesota. and four. Yeah. And they so played like, Dallas this week. Yeah, like, and they'll probably take a huge L and, yeah. against Dallas. Like, because yeah, Dallas watch also looks legit. And think about this too. So because of all of these positive COVID tests, the Packers have moved all of their meetings and all their game planning virtually, right? That doesn't sound like a significant thing, but it's on a short week and you're suddenly having to throw a wrench in things. Like these are the kinds of things that as a team you're not looking for, but are going to benefit you in the end, right? If you can get through some of these midseason challenges, these unexpected things, plus all the injuries that they've been dealing with this year. I mean, this is, this might end up being, more of a positive for the Packers long-term, regardless of the outcome of this game. It's going to be a good test. The Cardinals, I don't know how they're going to look defensively, and they may be without Chandler Jones, but this will be a good test for Green Bay on a short week, having to totally, totally change up uh, process. And everybody knows football coaches love consistency and they love procedure. So you're right. Thursday night games in general, right? Like, there's I want to say more people hate them than they don't hate them but I love them like, I love drinking what does it really prove though right like in like you're coming off of a short week three days rest like most of the time the Thursday games are kind of suck and I'm sure they're usually like they'll try to put division games in there and things like that but by the time they happen on Thursday for the most part it's like a weird spot in the season or like there's the Jets versus really the Jaguars to, yeah 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 <laughs> I feel like you don't prove much, right? Like if the Packers lose this game and the Cardinals end up the number one seed, ignoring the Cowboys, right? Because the Cowboys can still sneak in there and take, you know, a top two seed. Um, Will it be that big of a difference for Aaron Rodgers to go play in a dome in January? You know, like it really isn't that big of a deal for them. However, the public perception, the league's perception of the Cardinals, it does matter. And if they want to keep up that we're the best team, right, and you should be scared of us routine, then they should go out and dominate. So it matters more to them. I think it'll be a huge, huge test for our DBs and our safeties. We're, like, decimated with injuries at this point. We've got guys coming out there. Like, half of our starting defensive, our our DBs and our safeties, I think Amos and Savage are still out there, but you've got Black out there and the the cornerbacks are dudes that we picked up off the street like a few weeks ago that have been super solid. Don't get me wrong. We haven't really been tested. You know, Tyler Heineke uh, isn't really going to press us. McLaurin had a big game, but um, I think it's going to be a big test wide receiver wise. You know, you've got Hopkins, you've got Green, you've got Kirk, you've got Edmonds, uh, you know, their tight ends there. So, We'll see, you know, I'm tempering my expectations. I I anticipate it to be a shootout. You would think that the Green Bay will try to slow it down, but I just don't think that's a Rogers MO and he's going to try to show up on national television. Um, So hopefully the defense can support him and we get some easy turnovers or some like, you know, weird special teams play to help us out there. I think think, Packers, uh, Packers, Packers are like five point dogs right now. So 
going to be a big day for uh, Cardinals fantasy football players, yeah. I think. Yep. I'm with yeah. you on that well, one. Harley, I know uh, we talked a lot about how much the Bears suck, so I wanted to kind of transition into that because I know you have some feelings and thoughts around that. Well, uh, before we jump into that, uh, Said, I'm glad you brought up the, the the DBs that were pulling off the street, like uh, Rasul Douglas, who PFF wise, I was trying to find, I was trying to find the rating, but he had like a, a above average or very strong defensive rating yesterday. I mean, dude's balling out. He's making tackles, you know, I mean, when they get, when they get healthy at that position, they're going to be deep. Um, and just think if they like went out and made a trade for, uh, Stefan Gilmore, who obviously just got traded, but the Panthers, Panthers need help. Now they might be willing just to, to move him if they can't wait. I mean, trade him for Kevin King straight up, <clears throat> um, you know, that they, I don't know if they would do that, but anyways, um, I think, I think all of these moves like Razul Douglas and Whitney Merciless, these are, this is the direct effect of what Aaron Rodgers was talking about this off season. Like, why, why haven't we been doing this kind of stuff for years? And you can tell that he's appreciating it and the front office is listening. Uh, probably this time last week, if you would have said, what do you think the chances are that Aaron Rodgers comes back with the Packers next season? I'd say, I think there's like a 60 to 65% chance. That, that percent is moving up. And uh, I think moves like, like these additions that they're making on defense, and I don't think they're done yet, are the things that Aaron Rodgers has been looking for. That's a whole other topic, but you're right. So let's talk about the bears for a minute and I won't hammer on this too long, but on this very podcast, I specifically said, why are we, why are we rushing to get Justin Fields, right? Why are we hailing Justin Fields as, as the savior in year one? Why do we need to see him on the field with a team that has a terrible offensive line a decent running back who is now hurt and 28 year old Allen Robinson. Like what, what's the point of, of getting him on the field today? What do you think is going to happen? And look at what happened yesterday. I mean, like you can, you can blame Matt Nagy all you want and people are throwing a lot of shade at Justin Fields, but Holy shit. Talk about being set up to fail. This is and and look, I wasn't a huge fan of the Jordan love pick up right off the bat, but you can understand it because the Packers, the Packers understand that you got to develop these young quarterbacks. You're not going to pull some guy out of college and he's going to be the savior from day one. Okay. That, that rarely happens. Andrew Luck kind of did that and then got his ass beat and had to retire because he was so beat up. I understand Chicago is so thirsty to have success, but for the love of Christ, settle down, get Justin Fields off the field, let Andy Dalton finish the year. I know that yes. sounds impossible, but like you're going to, he's going to pick up terrible habits. He's going to get the crap kicked out of him. And what's this going to do to his confidence? I mean, I don't, I, I, I guess I'm just confused as to why very smart football people from day one were just, we're just calling like this abnormality that he was going to change the game when clearly the signs were not there. And I get it. The year is not done. And I expect a talented player like Justin Fields to progress much faster than what we're seeing. All right. But, question for you, Matt. Go ahead. When, when you're, when you're talking about that, right. And you draft this young stud quarterback, right. 
as a team, do you internally sit down and look at, you know what? We know of our shortcomings. We know we're not going to contend for a division title or make the playoffs. Do we throw this guy in the fire and let him get accustomed to running an offense, the speed of NFL defenses, um, knowing full, well, that he's going to suck, right? The the team is going to suck in general, but it gives him good playing experience um, to get this out of the way, I guess, while you know your team overall sucks. I, I, that's kind of what I look at it as. And it's, it's not, I guess, an ideal situation per se, but it, from, do you think Justin Fields would rather be on the bench or play right now? They're sucking. And then there's like not real NFL football. And I feel like the Texans are doing this right now uh, with Mills at quarterback. And unfortunately, you know, Tyrod's been gone and Deshaun, but same thing with the bears. You're just, setting the expectations so low. And I, I totally get where you're coming from too, Mark. Like, yeah, you know, your team's going to suck. So put like your prize possession out there, let them gain some confidence and get some awareness out on the field. But to Farley's point, like his inability to read the defenses right now is causing issues. He's going to get creamed. Their line isn't that good. The team's not that strong. Their running backs are decimated. They're on their fourth or fifth running back now. But even then though, even Herbert is, getting 97 yards you know what i'm saying like that's i think that's a problem like where they're getting decent yardage on the ground and he still can't do anything right like well, he still well, they, can't they don't play help and, and that's ball. why i do blame nagy Farley because the play calling like dude do, do, do some rollout oh, do yeah. stuff that will benefit right. him Move, do some do like something. screens some tight end posts like some easy passes that will gain confidence and yes they're two mm-hmm. or three four yard passes but they've got this guy trying to read through like his second, third, fourth progression against Tampa Bay's defense. It's like, yeah, you're going to struggle. The pa- you know, Aaron Rodgers struggles. And he's in like yeah. his 50th year. So um, well, I agree with Farley more than I agree with Mark on it. I think, you know, give the guys some time to sit. If you're going to suck, at least you're paying the Red Rocket and Nick Foles a lot of money. So let them go get beat up while your guy learns. Well, like I just think like, Farley's point is around confidence, I think. And I think right now, if you bench him, that does more damage to his confidence than letting it ride, than, you know, not letting letting him sit out there and figure it out, right? And that's yeah, that's the problem with making the move early, right? Like, they brought him in early. Now, as a franchise, as a GM, as a coach, as a quarterback, going back now and sitting down, like, I don't know if that's any better, right? Like, yeah. I just don't. That's, that's on Nick the extreme and, end. Yeah, Nick Foles, between Nick Foles and Dalton, they're, what are they getting paid combined? Too much. But here, I want to go back to something Mark brought up. And, like, Mark, that's a valid question. And I think throwing somebody into the fire is extremely important to get them used to the speed of the game, which apparently for this guy seems slow. But that's not the point. This brings up a bigger systemic issue in the NFL, and that is the commitment that teams make to head coaches and general managers – that force them to push the issue, right? We can say it, we can laugh all we want about what happened in Las Vegas with John Gruden, right? And, and Mark Davis has not been a great GM. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but Mark Davis did something smart. He signed both of those guys to 10 year deals, right? Same thing in San Francisco. Say what you will about how Kyle Shanahan has handled their team lately, I and mean, they're getting decimated with injuries. John Lynch has done a pretty solid job as general manager. And it's because you've taken the pressure off of them to change things 
in an unattainable and unquantifiable amount of time. That's it. You don't need to rush Justin Fields out there because Justin Fields is not going to be ready for you to compete for two to three seasons. So stop putting the expectation on the guys who have to make those decisions to rush the process along. The, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy want to prove that they made the right decision. You're not going to do that in year one. So stop grading them like they're like they have to perform well right now. And if they're sucking and you're putting them on a one one year cycle to prove themselves, Justin Fields isn't going to make the difference in that decision, right? You're hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. So that's a whole nother topic. But when we talk about that kind of part of the conversation about don't we want to give some guy ex experience? Don't we want to see what he's like? You do in year two and three when he's had a chance to sit behind a professional quarterback with experience. Let's move on. <laughs> We're coming up on time. We can pick up this part of the conversation later. But that being said, the NBA is now in officially week two as of tomorrow. Bucks won tonight, by the way, if you didn't see it. Um, guys, what has stood out to you so far in one week of NBA action? <clears throat> so a couple things for me. Um, one thing is uh, just a personal thing, because I know I got all the baseball picks wrong. But just to redeem myself some on NBA, you know, uh, knowledge. I mentioned Duarte from the Pacers a while ago. Thank you. Um, and he is definitely balling. He put Giannis on skates today. It was it was interesting to see. Um, young kid in in late minutes. Like this is gonna pay off for them. He, they're relying on him. Everyone on the team seems to be behind him. Um, and the Pacers are likely gonna make the playoffs. And all these overtime games and we he had like back-to-back -back overtime games in week one of the nba season most rookies won't see an overtime game until like january um and when he's the man right he's the dude like it's not like he's coming off the bench or second fiddle to anyone like they are turning to him full scale from day one um the best opening day game I've probably seen ever, Knicks and Celtics. <laughs> that was two awesome. overtimes. I'm yelling in the living room. Like, my wife's like, bro, I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, dog, they're in the second overtime now. You can't expect me to not say anything at this point. Heroes um, went on. Total exhaustion after the first overtime. Um, Jalen Brown was balling. It was just a great game overall. I probably caught three court I didn't check I didn't watch the first quarter but I watched the three the last three on the overtimes and it was just so good to see like just hard willful basketball right where no team is like a super team or has like necessarily a superstar because say what you want to say I don't think Brown or Tatum have reached superstar level Tatum's probably closer than Brown is but and they might eventually get there they're stars right they're not the big names, even in the bigger markets. A um, couple other things, but don't want to dominate it. Say what you got. I just want to say that uh, to that game, like Julius Randle's really good and he's athletic and tall and paid, but he takes some of the worst shots in the NBA. Like he could take anyone off the dribble. He could post anyone up. He could use his size. He could use his speed. And this dude does like jukes, crossover fade away to the right even though like his body's to the left and it somehow goes in so it just doesn't make any sense but 
that's one of my one of my takeaways from that game specifically. And D Rose is an ageless wonder. Um, a few things for me, as I mentioned, the Bulls. I think a few weeks ago when we were on, um, they haven't really played anyone. I think they beat the Raptors tonight and covered. All right, um, play the Pistons twice. Pistons are actually surprisingly pretty good on defense. I think they're a top ten defense here the first four, three four games of the season. Um, but you legitimately have what four or five guys that can score twenty. So anyone can be off that night. Uh, you know, Levine, DeRozan, Ball, Vujicic, or Vucevic, the Vooch, um, Caruso. I mean, like, I think that they're a well-built team that potentially could be pretty scary, if not this season, uh, into next year for uh, the Bucks specifically in our division. Like, I don't think it's going to be a, as much of a coast as it always was. And another surprise for me is, and I'm, I'm an anti- Golden State guy, but they are undefeated. They just beat Sacramento last night on the road. Um, some of those role players that last year and the year before were like, who are these bums playing right now? Have actually refined their games and maybe getting their asses kicked and seeing some minutes over the last year and a half uh, are actually starting to contribute. So you're, you know, Jordan Poole starting and he's putting up, you know, an easy 15, 18 a game. Uh, was it uh, Lee? Uh, was it Courtney Lee or whatever? The Lee do with the dreads uh, gets consistent uh, time off the bench, uh, but they don't even have Clay back yet. So I, I'm, I'm pissed at myself for saying this, but I think the, Steve Kerr's done a pretty good job of working with the hand he's dealt right now. Mind you, we're a weekend, so I don't want to. I mean, preseason matters apparently because this NBA preseason. The Warriors were actually playing real basketball and it's translated into the first week of the NBA season. And like they did it because of what state's saying, right? Like they have a lot of younger people. Clay's still gone. Um, even Steph last year, you know, wasn't really there per se. So like now you have to integrate all of those parts and more growing pains will happen when Clay Thompson comes back. Um, but they are doing a, a good job. It's it's pretty surprising. I think one thing, uh, too, which I want to hit on real quick is um, to Sate's example of uh, Julius Randle, I think he could take his game to an even higher level if he played more like a Zach Randolph. Um, he's, yeah, he just he plays too far away from the basket. He's, he's got the size and the strength to, to muscle some people on the inside. He's aggressive on the rebounds. Like, he could be an absolute beast if he wanted to. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But um, I think the Knicks are, are scary good. Um, one guy that is, is playing extremely well on them is Evan Fournier. And I, I hate this dude so much, but he, oh my God. he fits in really well with New York. Because he's they almost lost him the game I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, they're, they're up. He almost lost him the game. They, he goes for a steal with three <laughs> seconds left when he doesn't have to. It's a three-point game. He misses the steal. Now you pass up court quickly. Marcus Smart's at the wing by himself, the nearest defender, Sate sitting in his living room with the buzzer about to go off, and he hits a three-point. I was so mad at Evan Fournier. But he, in, the, in the overtime, though, he hit really big shots. Like, he made up mm -hmm. for it, but still, you're an idiot, my guy. Exactly. I agree. <laughs> it's going to give people in New York a heart attack for sure. Um, and then I think one team – And uh, it's French. Yeah. <laughs> one team that we uh, really didn't talk about uh, at all is uh, Charlotte Hornets. And LaMelo Ball has got these guys off to a 3-0 start right now. He's got the city turned up. Uh, it's, it's kind of exciting. I mean, they're still – they're sloppy to watch. Um, they got to tighten some things up. But they have a young enough core that 
they can do that over the course of a season. Um, whether or not they make the playoffs, I don't know. It's yet to be seen because there's a lot of superstars out in the uh, the West there. But um, I I don't know, man. I, I think these uh, a lot of the uh, Charlotte fans are kind of uh, getting carried away with themselves, you know, with the MVP chance um, after three games of uh, Lamelo Ball here. But uh, it, at least it's exciting for them, right? They they haven't really had a, a contender in a, quite a while, so. Uh, it's good to see Charlotte uh, kind of bouncing back again. They're thirsty, um, man. Yeah. And then uh, other than that, the uh, I'll touch briefly on the Lakers. Um, I think they're they're basically the Brooklyn of the uh, of the West. Um, you got it's going to take a while for those guys to gel uh, and figure out how to play uh, with one another, different lineups that work and whatnot. Um, you know, hopefully, AD and uh, Howard squash their beef uh, and they can get back to. Uh, uh, playing some good ball at least, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see. They can't, they can't get off in too bad of a start here and digging themselves into a little bit of hole, but uh, I, I think they'll figure it out. Um, but it's, it's going to take some time to, uh, you know, to gel and Brooklyn on the East side. I mean, they're off to a one and two start after the first week too. So it's, it's nothing to write home about. And I know they're not waiting for Kyrie to come and save them. Like KD said. So um, one thing is good that I've, I've seen so far is, the referees are actually calling the new rule changes or not and, calling. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's totally decimated James Harden. Game oh man. I absolutely I love it. I love it. I'm so glad you brought that up. That was I actually something I wanted to talk about was how, how that rule change has not just impacted a guy like James Harden, but what that's going to mean if, if the NBA is not going to do the NFL thing where it makes it a priority for a few weeks and hoping that people adjust to it. But if they follow through on that, I think you're going to see teams run less ISO, right? Like these off ball scores might be more valuable. You might see perimeter shooters who are already very valuable become even more valuable. So this is such a unique thing to see early on. And yeah, it's great seeing James Harden. Or, I mean, they might be able, they might run. It might cause for folks to try to get closer to the rim. Maybe a couple more mid range jump shots that that extra step gets you open versus jumping into defender at the three point line or trying to blow past them. That being said, you know, Mark mentioned Brooklyn. Kyrie is is just one of their problems. Like now KD's in the media disagreeing with Harden and Nash about how the rule change is affecting. And it's a negative thing for the NBA. Like he's out here, like the rule change ain't doing nothing. Like I disagree with it and it's fine to disagree, right? They're all individuals, but to do so in the media is a problem. So like, and we know how much a lot of these guys are kind of diva ish, especially James Harden. Um, How does that affect their relationship? The more games go by, He's not getting calls. He keeps complaining, talking to the media about it. And KD's like, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, how does I I want to hope that the Nets experiment is a short-lived one and they just start shipping people off and they're like, whatever, I'm done with this. Start over. But I mean, it's very likely they'll be our Eastern Conference Finals opponents, you know, this year. And we'll see where we go with that. Yeah, I think KD stays no matter what, and they'll just interchange the other pieces with other superstars like Harden you're not you're not falling in line you're out Kyrie you're not getting vaccinated or whatever you're not falling in line you're out um but yeah to to both your points I think they shot a stat out the other day I was first time in Harden's career um what do you have five turnovers to one free throw attempt 
So gone are the days of his, you know, 27 free throw attempts where he's having, you know, he scores 45 points and you're like, what the hell shot, you know, 14 times, whatever the case may be. But hopefully, like you said, uh, a lot of times sitting with NFL, they stick to it for a few weeks. Hopefully they trick the players and then they transition back to like what they used to call. But we'll see. Um, there's been a lot of movement all over the place. There's some bad teams right now. Um, I, I think I talked about the Raptors before we jumped on here, but the T-Wolves are bad. The Raptors are bad. Like the Mavs need to get their shit in, in order. Now hold on one second, Sage, because I actually wanted to talk about Minnesota for a moment. Okay, um, got it. All right, well, maybe I could be wrong here. No, like, yes, record-wise and offensively, they've been shit. But, but. Minnesota right now is the top team in defensive rating in the NBA. Now I know it's only three games, but early on, what are you, what are you looking for from teams? Right. Because you know, offensively, some of these teams like the Lakers, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Golden State, to a certain extent, trying to just find their identity. They're all sort of just getting into the swing of things. But one thing that you need to establish early is sort of who you're going to be defensively. And Minnesota not only has done that to a degree, but they're also surprising a lot of people right now. I mean, I looked at Jaden McDaniel's individual defensive rating, and it is pretty damn good considering the amount of minutes he's playing. So don't sleep on Minnesota. Yeah, they're going to have to kick in into another gear offensively, which they could do based on some of their scores. But Minnesota could be a problem defensively. They're undefeated, say. A lot so, of that has to do yeah. with defense, but... Yeah, I, I just guess I just don't see Cat as the rim stopper. Oh, softy. But it doesn't have to be. What I was transitioning with that also was teams like that are pleasant surprises, like the Wizards, um, who I'm high on the Wizards are actually a pretty decent roster makeup if you look at it well, between offense, defense, shooting. Having the right style of play with players uh, is, is huge. Um, and I think Farley and I were talking about this today because he's he's huge on the coups. Um, but you he's got Montre- you got Montrezl coming off the bench, and he's basically every game he's a double double machine. Poor man's double double machine. But um, <coughs> was that Dinwiddie or Dinwiddle or Dinwiddie? Spencer Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dude's been balling out. That's a good Robin to Bradley Beal, I think, because he's not Agreed. that loud personality like John Wall. You know, he's very blue collar in in his work ethic and. You know, he just Big puts up stats against the Pacers. He had yeah, a huge yeah, yeah. game against the Pacers. Yeah, yeah, but I was watching that one too. I think, um, say, and you mentioned this right as our resident uh, gambler here, not to like give you guys gambling advice yet, but that might be coming in the future. Um, the Bulls, dude, like, I feel like everyone's so bearish on the Bulls, like in general, like people were saying they'd get thirty-four wins, like Chicago they're. Fun? Their spread against uh, who are they playing today that you said that's crazy? Raptors, Raptors, Raptors was one, was it, was start, it was at two, and then I uh, it went down to one right before the game, and so they were it, up like 20 the whole like, game. I think they ended up winning by a handful. It's weird that they're not getting as much love, but the the boys might have a big four, y'all. Like, it's not like they so. They're not superstars, but I think they have four stars that could come together and really do some damage over the next five years. You mentioned they're going to be a problem for the Bucks. They they very well likely could be a problem for the Bucks, but it's all going to hinge on if Zach Levine wants to stay. And I think the Chicago Bulls have done enough 
to make them probably sign right now. I mean, you have a legit basketball team now that you can probably end anywhere from six to maybe five to seven-ish seed in the playoffs and and start your growing pains there. But it's so weird to me that people want to say, like, the experts, right, they're going to win 35 games, 36 games, and it's not that far of a stretch from 500, but, like, and the East is better, but, like, our division still sucks, right? Like, they still got to play the Cavs, the Pistons, like, a bunch of times. They're still the Toronto Raptors of the world. Um, this is C.D. Osman's year. <laughs> it's just oh, weird to me. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, City. I was going to say um, another team that continues to evolve and grow and has the right type of players with like the style of play is the Hawks. Like they continuously will continue to jump and get better and get more comfortable playing with each other. And they've got some of their younger guys locked up. So they're, they're not getting no love while. either, bro. No respect for the Hawks right now. But like, you know, it was like the Celtics where those, you know, Marcus Smart and Brown and Orford and Tatum and like, you know, interplay whoever the point guard was. And, and then it was like the Bucks, and, you know, uh, the Cavs and LeBron was here and now it's Brooklyn. But Atlanta's like starting to just gradually climb up and be that, you know, top four team and consistently will be there because they've got the personnel. I think they said between Capella, um, Young, uh, the was a Hooter, and then the other dude that they signed their power forward. They're all they're basically tied up for the next four years. So they've got their core in place. And then you got guys, and those like, big guys, right you now, like your boy, your boy Cam Reddish showing out. Cam so. Reddish. I mean, you mentioned a lot of bigs there. Right now, Atlanta's the second best rebounding team in the NBA. So, like, that matters, right? You get a couple offensive rebounds. That's why they hurt us, too. Like, in the playoffs, I felt like they were getting some, some pretty big boards that would, like, either give them an additional possession or just stop us from, you know, a run. Shout out to uh, Gorgie Dang, who finished the night with a plus minus of plus 16 and had 12 boards, uh, six points. That's a, that's a grinder stat line right there. But you're right, like John Collins, Clint Capella, like they're, they're sort of the abnormality in today's NBA where they're, they're going to start big, but they could certainly run a small lineup out there if they wanted to. Every time I hear stat lines, like those plus minuses and they don't score, but they're like contributing in other ways, like the PJ Tucker effect. I always think of, uh, cause we all watched historically bad bucks teams, uh, Terry Stotts hustle stats. So at half halftime, every game would be Terry Stotts hustle stats. Cause our team was so shitty. Like we couldn't That's for Stotts. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't talk about like who's scoring or who's like doing well. Cause our team was so bad, but it was like Terry Stotts. It was like ball deflections. You know, like uh, the guy had two offensive rebounds in the first half. But, yeah, memory lane. Thanks for that, Farley. Well, speaking of memory lane, guys, we're uh, getting close to time here. And I know that some of you uh, had some strong feelings about the NBA's top 75 list. So for a couple minutes, Mark, I don't know if you want to do a little grind your grind my gears or I just first shouts on wearing those sunglasses the whole time. That's the, the whole time. Proud of you, bud. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but go ahead. <laughs> Top 75. What caught your eye? What are you pissed about? What are you happy about? Um, I think the, uh, the biggest thing here, and I don't know if I should say this for Andy, uh, we had a, a little spat earlier, 
comparing Reggie Miller for me versus Clay Thompson for him. Um, it, it, it's kind of weird. It's like, uh, you know, when you think of Reggie Miller, right, you think of like, uh, you see Indiana Pacers, right? He was just playing in the garden and scoring, what is it, eight points in like three seconds or something like that. Like all the, all the good playoff series uh, that they used to have. And you're taking that, right, the era that they play in, comparing it to modern day basketball and Clay Thompson, primarily not an on-ball dribbler, right? He He's amazing, just like Seth Curry going um, all around screens and pure catch-and-shoot guy. I think it's, it's kind of weird, like, when you actually look at statistics overall to see what they actually did, how they performed. And Reggie Miller, even though he played, what, 18 years, he – do you guys know how many points he averaged in his career per game? I'm going to let, yeah, per game. I'm going to let you guess. I'm going to have a guess twice. I'm going to say either 24 points or 18 points. I was going to say actually like 18, 19. Yeah. 18 points. Shocking. I thought we did not sure look he... that up by the way. No, yeah, I didn't yeah, look that up. 18 points. I thought for <laughs> sure he would be in the twenties area at least. But really, and I mean, think about game. think about but, 90s basketball, right? right. We're talking about the 79s to 85 games, like. And Mark Jackson's bringing it up and eating up clock, and he's passing it to you know Reggie, who's passing it to Detlef Shrimp, and then they're giving it to Rick Smiths in the post for his 10 second move, and then they you know he shoots right. it, misses, and you know one of the Davis Bros yeah. gets rebound. The style of basketball, to your point, is just completely different, right? Um, like put Reggie on that Golden State team right now. He's Steph Curry minus the handles, right? But I'm saying from a shooting ability or ability to put the ball, or he's Clay Thompson, frankly. I mean, like, hey, dude, you don't have to dribble. You don't have to do anything, but, you know, play some defense because that was Andy's argument. Well, Clay guards the shooting guard on the opposing team. Well, you're the fucking shooting guard. What I mean, Reggie's we, right, we gonna guard? We don't have the physicality, right? And Reggie's defense wasn't too bad. Uh, I, no. I, I looked that up if he had any defensive player of the year, like nominations, but. Right. Like, oh, he didn't get any championships. Well, yeah, if you play against Jordan every year, nobody right. won. Yeah, you know I mean, like, <laughs> but if you if you look at it too, right? So you made that comparison about uh, obviously the modern style of basketball, right? So over Clay Thompson has played what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight year, uh, eight years, right? Obviously, not counting the last two years which he's been injured, he's only averaged nineteen point five points per game on Golden State through his career. So. Wouldn't you figure that having more opportunities playing uh, a different style of basketball that somebody of his caliber, who is apparently is supposed to be way better than Reggie Miller, should have way more points? And he's a number three option half the time because KD, every two with KD and Steph, taking into consideration what the two and a half, three years that KD was there. That's half of Thompson's career basically there. Been gone for two years on injuries now too. Right, right. right. So that the sample size like shrinks even more. Uh, there's there's funny you guys talk about I think what was the other one? We, we had AD and oh, I'm sorry, so to go for it before I jumped. I said it's funny you talk about injuries. Uh, we, it just kind of fell on that, but there's exclusions on this list, right? So, uh, first, I'll ask you guys do you think it's too uh, past heavy? Is the list heavier on, on past players or is it too present heavy? And then we'll from there, we'll go to my other point. I think it's too present heavy. I think yeah, I saw Dame Lillard on that list. I love Dame. I think we're all huge Dame fans, but come on, man. 
Yeah, top uh, 75 of all time. Like, it's early for that. Exactly. It's too early. There's got to be some old guys in there paid the way for the for the young guys to take over. Maybe eventually when they come out with the new list or the top 100 list or whatever, in a couple of, you know, 20 some years, um, these guys will for sure be on it. But as of right now, no. Like, I, this, we get in this conversation all the time about comparing people when they've had some success but they've, they've only played for maybe a couple of years. So like, I know like Luca was, was like uh, on the border of getting in there. I'm like, yeah, he's played like three fucking years, but he's been <laughs> a finalist for MVP both years. Right. So it's like, eventually, yes, he will be, but right now, no, like pay so, some respect to the Dominique Wilkins and these that, guys. That goes you know? back to, go I'm sorry, real quick, Farley, that, uh, so that goes back to Farley's argument around the NFL with the same thing with the young quarterbacks, how they try to shove it down their throats and you need to win now and you need to produce now. And it's all about the now, now, now. And that's like culturally where we are. And I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Pet them <laughs> into that, into that uh, conversation, but very similar when it comes to the NBA, like people have a very short memory as weird as that sounds. I don't know. I, I don't know if they have short memories. We still debate Jordan being the goat, even though LeBron's doing what he's doing, right? Like that's an exception. Me, that's a pretty long that's time on, ago. Man. We're talking about twenty Come plus on, years now. How many um, pair of Jordans you got? How many pair of Jordans you got in your closet? You know, that's Mark. A... Mark knows I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm a huge LeBron hater, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think I think there is long memories. But to get back to my second point here, so you guys think Bill Walton, Bill Walton, who is also injury prone person or player belongs on the top 75 players of all time nope. i think dwight howard should have been over bill walton and ad i disagree uh, that was a terrible <laughs> bill walton impersonation sorry also that... through, the, through the meadows of the forest and the well, the thing, right? and whoever sat down and made this list obviously had the same conversation as they were going through all the players of all time and I imagine at some point, if there was 10 of them, seven of them were like, well, we can't put Grant Hill on this list because he was always hurt. Derrick Rose can't be on this list because he's always hurt. XYZ can't be on this list because he's always hurt. Yet Bill fucking Walton is on the list. Like, that, it doesn't make any sense. I, I think me. that's where the bias comes in uh, when you when I, when I you said, like, yeah, they do take consideration some of these older players and what they did do back then and got to have, like, a dude from the 60s that balled and put him on the list. I look at it from our perspective when this group of people grew up watching NBA and like T-Mac wasn't on that list. Vince Carter wasn't on that list. Vince Carter jumped over a guy. You know what I mean? Bullshit, like, yep. like Vince VC was the man in North Carolina. He was the man, like turned that uh, Raptors franchise around. He was super consistent his entire career. Didn't miss many games. You know, T-Mac, if he didn't get injured, probably, you know, it would have been, I don't say at that Kobe level, but the dude could ball and he was, a, you know, he was a freak when it came to athleticism and size. Um, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of that list. I thought there was a biggest, number of names that were omitted. I'll say the biggest, I guess, concern or gripe you could have against T-Mac is he played absolutely phenomenal for, for what, eight years. And then like once he hit 29, he fell off a cliff. Like he was going from like, what, 26 points down to eight. Like yeah, hurt, passing man. the ball to Pat Garrity on the magic. You know, uh, like, he's 29 hurt, years man. old though. So like he should still be balling at that age, is what I'm saying. It, it's you know, Vince, Vince Carter 
that, well, that's part of it too. Vince Carter played for four, what, four decades? First player to but do that. But he changed though. Like Vince Carter changed his game. He embraced yeah, you're right. You're right. being a role player. He embraced coming off the bench. Like that's why Carmelo Anthony's taking this long to get to where he's at because he wouldn't embrace it. How do you embrace that? He would have had a championship already. He would have been on one of those LeBron teams or any team, insert name here, that has won a title in the last decade. Is he a top, that's what they want top, him to do. Is he a top 75 player in your eyes? Carmelo, I think he is. Carmelo's an elite scorer, bro. Like, before KD started going bananas, like, personally, right, this is me just personally, because I know you guys probably won't even agree either, and that's good, let's debate it. But Carmelo Anthony's one of the best scorers of all time. Like, I'm taking Melo one-on-one, offensively, probably over 95% of NBA players that have ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah, I mean, out of out of the entire pool of NBA players, absolutely. But it, I think maybe one thing that this list maybe doesn't define necessarily, like, are, are we going off of pure, pure dominance in their time? Or should this list have also considered the way that certain players culturally impacted the sport and the NBA as Manu as a as a and brand Powell. because yeah, Tracy McGrady, another one. Yep. Vince Carter, Allen Iverson, Carmelo, these were guys that maybe did not have rings, didn't have rings. Uh, in their primes, but change the way that we thought about and viewed the NBA. And that that's meaningful. And I know like no offense to Bob McAdoo or <laughs> Kevin McHale. I'm just looking at the list or Robert Parrish, those guys were pretty damn good in their time. However, we need to give some consideration to people that change the way that we look at the NBA today. And I think that's what this list maybe maybe missed. Yeah, if you put think- Robert Parrish and T Mac in a gym, <laughs> put a, you put a ball at center court, and you're like, whoever wins walks out of this gym. Like, who's who's taking that? Who's walking out? <laughs> Two men enter, one man exits. <laughs> I will say this. I mean, I we we can dig in a little bit deeper into this. Say um on the next on the next one, but overall, so like it's cool when we have these moments. 1996, we had the top 50. 50 players right um that i i looked it up because that all-star game was in cleveland this year we have the top 75 the all-star game is in cleveland so i'm thinking how difficult would it be to get an like a ticket to an all-star game in cleveland like i feel like we should try to go (laughs) maybe even if it's the like the skills challenge on like a friday or something just get in the building and See if we can meet some of these old heads and who knows, right? Like, hey, we got a podcast, dude. Can we ask you a couple questions and then just go from there? The I shop. mean, so I, I was looking at tickets when they were in Chicago and the skills, well, I'm cheap. So this is probably not even to scale. I was going to say they were expensive, but I don't know. You guys are big spenders. So they $47. Probably, what were they in Chicago? <laughs> I, I can't remember offhand. It was like four to $500 for yeah, the school, for skills, skills challenge. I could be so, wrong, but do they sell them individually or is it part of like a package deal? You I was going to each day individual. Yeah. I was looking at secondhand. We'll go to the celebrity game or like the two ball challenge. Yeah. That's like the very first off. day. 
but the second day, I think, is like all the competitions, right? Dunk contest, point guard, you know, yep. skills competition, like all of it. So that would be cool, right? To see what that looks like. Yeah, Just hell yeah. Sucks to have to go to Cleveland. Uh, anyways, not, no disrespect to Cleveland. You're, Cleveland. you're a fine city. Um, all right. Well, we're coming up on time, guys. Uh, Soto, uh, what do you got coming up this week? What's, uh, what's new in the nerd world? So right now, um, the only thing I'm worried about is Kamara scoring three more points. I was favored to win my fantasy matchup by 70, and Patrick Mahomes scored four points. Um, and uh, just a little pissed off there, right? Like, my opponent has a bunch of people on by. I was down 39 points to start the day today. I only have Kamara running. But Alvin Kamara is delivering, ladies and gentlemen. He has 32.4 points in our Dynasty League. And I'm super excited about it, if you can't tell. So hopefully I pull this win off. Outside of that, me and Sate are coming at you guys with an NBA podcast. Hopefully Sate can join me on the inaugural one. I know he's a busy man. But either way, on Wednesday, we're out here talking about the NBA. And I want that podcast to be a little bit um, more analytical just because it's only two of us, right? It's harder to do that in a bigger setting. We've talked about it as a group. I'm sure you guys realize this as you're listening and now watching, hopefully on YouTube and um, Spotify video that's coming up here soon. Um, but really digging into a specific team or a specific game and talking about that stuff, as well as our normal, you know, back and forth disagreeing on, you know, who's better, you know, LaMelo Ball, Alonzo Ball. We never talk about that, but as an example. Uh, but look out for the NBA podcast. We're looking at a name um, right now. I was just thinking about nerd-related or NR Sports Edition basketball perspective. Uh, but we're open to it. If you guys got any suggestions, people that are a part of the crew, anyone on Twitter, if you're watching, uh, let us know. Check them out. Hoop Nerds. Wednesdays. Well, Hoop Wednesday, Nerds. Wednesday night. Wednesday. I thought about that. Yeah, Wednesday nights. I thought about hoop nerds. That would be good, but then redundant, right? Nerd related hoop nerds. Yeah, and then we've I, got Farley and Andy on their regular docket of Tuesday and Thursday evenings, giving well, you all the hot takes. Is that accurate? Tuesdays, Tuesdays. And I apologize to the loyal listener out there, singular. Uh, last week, AJ. Last, <laughs> yeah, shouts to AJ. Thank you for thank you for engaging on Twitter. Uh, I got a last minute invite to the Bucks game. So I was like, well, I'll see maybe once in a lifetime ring ceremony or talk to Andy about his dog and how bad Jamar Chase is. So I picked the picked the first. Anyways, yeah, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think we're going to probably talk about sort of our midseason uh, superlatives and thoughts on the rest of the year. So definitely check us out uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. We got a whole boatload of crap coming up. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Mark, you're still wearing the thug life glasses. You're, you're a man, you're a man. Uh, and yeah, join us again next week, tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll be back. And remember forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. <laughs> Stay nerdy. Stay golden pony boy.